Hey, it's great to be back in town, but it was awesome to be in the mountains the last couple days Amen. with the guys. And uh, wow, it was it was really a, a men's camp to never forget. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was awesome because the, the fires, all the fires going on and, and the restrictions for campfires and whatnot, we brought it closer into town. We went up to uh, Hills Creek Reservoir, up to... Uh, uh, how do you pronounce that name, Brian? Sacadega. That's the one, Sacadega, which means whatever in Native American. Anyway, so we went up to that campground, beautiful river, beautiful mountains. It was fantastic. Most important was the preaching and the fellowship. And uh, I'll tell you what, I just, I'm charged up. For those who are here for uh, beginning of Bible class hour, you can tell I was charged up. So I'm, I'm really, really charged up. I'll tell you. Uh, we have uh, so many good preachers and teachers here, and I'll tell you what, uh, T.J. Winningham rocked the day. He, uh, he, uh, yeah, give it up for T.J. Winningham. And uh, Brad, Brad McKinney is going to try and get those things uh, uh, banged out as quickly as possible. He said they should be available next by next Lord's Day on our fa- on our Facebook page, our website under uh, the podcast. And so uh, I, I want you to listen to all of them, but I really want you to listen to TJ's. And uh, I just, uh, it was amazing. Just absolutely amazing. And that was TJ's second sermon ever. And it was, woo, off the charts. And I'm not, how many, how many who were there would affirm, I'm not pulling anybody's leg here. That's absolutely truth, isn't it? Awesome. I mean, we have great preachers and teachers, but that was, wow. All right, so I got a bunch of, uh, Words of encouragement. So we're going to dispense with the sermon today because we will not, we will not have time to get to it. Just kidding. Now this is in big bold letters. Ryan, thank you for taking the time to visit with me. I I really was encouraged. Braxton, there you go. Woo-hoo. Ah, great leadership, man. That's awesome. Braxton, you spelled every one of those words right, too, man. I'm impressed. And for those who are on watching, Braxton, how old are you? Eight years old. I didn't even know how to spell by eight. So you're doing awesome. Good job, Mom. Jeremy, thank you for all the encouragement this weekend. You you have that gift. So appreciate you. How you build the young people, especially. Let's get it for Jeremy. Coming all the way out from Ohio. Davey Wilson, and I'm going to add to this one. I am so thankful you came out to Oregon. You are a great encourager and a, a fun house guest. You are welcome at our fire anytime. And also, too, I love getting together with old duffers like me and just hanging out, man, drinking coffee in the morning. Woohoo! <laughs> That's great. Everybody else is sleeping over drinking coffee by a no fire pit. Okay, Jeff Drillinger, your steadfastness and diligence in faithfully serving God and others is an amazing example. And I can say amen. Can you? Amen. All right. Winningham family. Wait till you hear the sermon, Melissa. Man, you are in the sermon. Talk about, wow. I am so, so not where I need to be, and uh, that was just awesome. 
I need to be like Winningham or TJ and Winningham. TJ and uh, man, I'm telling you what. So thankful for each of you. It's so blessed to have you in our lives. Amen. Woo! Give it up for those guys. Tiffany, big gigantic heart. What a blessing to have you in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Lars and Angie, I'm so grateful that you are a part of the church body at Pleasant Hill. Your faithfulness is encouraging, especially when you take me to lunch tomorrow. <laughs> no, I added that. Sorry. All right. I don't even know who wrote that. I just added that. That's mine. Okay. So, Mrs. Bragg, you are an amazing woman of God. You are a great example of encouragement. I love your positive personality. Your smile is so sincere, and your heart's so sincere, too. And you give amazing hugs. I didn't write this, but I'm sure that's true. There you go. All right. Amy Bamford, you are an amazing Bible class teacher. I also really love your smiles, your hugs, your personality. You are such an amazing woman. There you go. Man, where is Jamie? What? Oh, hi. There you go. Okay, good. Looking all over. Jeremiah. Jeremiah, stand up. Oh. Yeah. Jeremiah, so appreciate you've been here. Great encouragement. You're a fine young man. And he's, and he's single. There you go. All right. TJ. And that goes out throughout the universe. And so look out, Jeremiah. TJ, you are a rock star preacher. I can say amen to that one. You made me cry, you jerk. Anyway, so awesome lesson on trusting God. You're the goat. What does that mean? Yeah, that's is that a compliment? Is that a compliment? Oh, okay. There we go. Okay, whatever, man. That's a new one on me. You're the goat. <laughs> Bill for a great camp, very encouraging. We've got your six. Amen. Somebody's got that. That's good. Uh, Pam, this is this is a good one. Pam. <laughs> Pam, for all your hard work and sacrifice to get me to camp. Now that's not me, obviously. That must be your wonderful husband. And you know what's really amazing is that we have so many great wives here because everybody. By the way, this is cool. Get the tape. All of those guys were just singing the praise of their wives because they desperately need them. So there you go. So you're desperately needed, Pam. Justine, for your hard work preparing for the campers. Right? And they were well prepared, I'm telling you what. So Justine, you're one of those wives and moms that's the mostest. So Ty, Braxton, Max for inviting me to camp with them. That's cool. You guys are good. Who would you invite? I'm not sure who that is, but... Oh, Ken! Grandpa. Mr. Grandpa! Yeah! Thanks for inviting Grandpa to camp. <laughs> yeah. Rax is going, well, of course. Uh, Brian, for the hospitality. <laughs> Glamping is great. All right. Oh, Brian is the glamper, not the camper. 
Yeah, he was all dolled up in the morning, you know, having had a good night's sleep in the mirror shower. He smelled like foo foo. It was amazing. <laughs> TJ Winningham, thank you for being willing to be vulnerable to us for a few minutes and for us to be encouraged and built up. Much respect. An awesome job again for TJ. All right, this is for our brothers in, from Ohio, the, the fearsome threesome. Thank you for your sacrifice to be here. The time spent with you sharing your faith and fellowship. Amen to that one. So, so blessed. Last but not least, Tiffany once again. Uh, it's, it's so great to see you. Your smile, your positive attitude, and, and encouragement to me. I've enjoyed getting to know you. Love. There you go. Awesome. Okay. All right. I got a couple minutes left. I got actually I got more than I had last week, so I'm feeling pretty good about this. Pretty good about this. All right. So uh, all of the meetings that I know of during the week are on schedule Thursday nights. Okay. Thursday night is off because Scandy Fest. So Scandy Fest Thursday night for the Pleasantville Church of Christ ladies. I'm just kidding. All right, that's, yeah, that is perfect. Uh, so anyway, I got to let you know real quickly that the, the College Age Fellowship tomorrow night is going to be probably the best of 2021. So if you want to come to the very best, and it's not because it's going to be the best meal ever served, because usually Sharon does off the chart anyway, but it's going to be the best. So you'll have to come and see. If you don't come and see, well, you'll hear about it. A lot, I'm sure. So anyway, all right, are we all done now? Are we ready to go? Any birthdays? Did I miss a birthday? No birthdays? Whose birthday? Janelle's birthday. I am sorry, I did not know that. Okay, all right. Lovely family because you're such a lovely wife and mother and you're a dear, sweet sister in Christ. She has so encouraged me, you know, if you were born for any other reason, it's been to encourage the old bald preacher of Pleasant Gill. And I mean, serious. I'm not kidding you when I say that, because there's been several times that you said the right thing at the right time. So happy birthday coming up. All right. 29 is a beautiful year to be born, right? 29 years ago. So anyway, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Alright. Hey, let's grab our Bibles. You know that we are hopefully gonna finish up today, First Thessalonians, and we're gonna read chapter two. Chapter two. But I, I want to I want to bring you to chapter two by taking the broad perspective of where we've been, and we're gonna narrow it right down to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. So at the very beginning of the year, we started with the very first sermon defining perseverance. And we actually then spent a couple days doing that. And then as you well see from above, we actually went and we identified the, the, the critical nature for our need for perseverance. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. But we looked at it from verse 32 down to verse 39. I pray that you'll go back and look at that. That is our life as Christians. 
Know that that's the heart that you need to have if you're going to persevere. But also we took a look at Revelation chapter 14. Now we did not read that in the context because the context is really, really uh, kind of frightening if you don't really understand what God is saying. And so it's important that we're going to get to that, by the way, before the end of the year to look at it in context. But then we stepped back and we said, how can we persevere? What's going to give us the strength to persevere in times of great persecution? There are three foundational pillars found in the scriptures for our perseverance. The faith of Jesus Christ, the hope in Jesus Christ, and the love of Jesus Christ. And so we've spent a lot of time on the faith of Jesus. We've spent a lot of time on the hope that we are to have in Jesus. The confident expectation that what he promised in the past, he delivered. We can read it. We can see it. It's founded in archaeology. It's founded in history that when God promises something, he follows through. Now, if he promises today that the faithful are going to get to heaven, if they continue to remain faithful, that hope is secure. You know that your salvation is not based upon how hard you work, but how great of a salvation he provided through his sacrifice on the cross. Amen? And so you remain faithful to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but learn to love as he loved, knowing his love for you. And that brings us right down to the gold standard of what does the love of God look like in times of persecution in a specific church. You know, I honestly believe that God spoke through the Apostle Paul about the church at Thessalonica for every other church that would follow. I believe if you read 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, it really is the gold standard for what the church needs to look like when times of persecution come. Now, if you understand the term gold standard, this is where we get the right standard, the right picture. Now, remember point number one of this lesson, of three lessons now, was in fact that the church at Thessalonica was birthed, conceived, planted, and began to grow in time of great persecution. In fact, it was only a few weeks into it when persecution came heavy on Paul the Apostle and his, his men that were with him, and it turned quickly to the church. When they came into the, the house of Jason, who had been housing them, hospitality, and they dragged him out along with others out of his house and brought him into the city square, and there was a riot going on, and they wanted to kill somebody. They wanted to kill Paul and Silas. How do we know that? That's what they wanted to do back in Philippi. And they escaped out of Philippi. Three days later, they're in Thessalonica. And just the, the overwhelming persecution started. And the church was just infant. As far as we know, there's only a few families. And yet the church continued to grow, grow so much as you remember from that first lesson, that their faith and their love went out from the city of Thessalonica, in through Macedonia, in through Achaia, and into the whole world. This church that was birthed in persecution. And then we actually see the encouragement that that church brought because their love grew and excelled. Their faith was going out all over the world and their hope was rock solid. Brethren, 
We have become a church not in persecution, not in affliction, not in suffering. We've been blessed to begin in a society that has protected our ability to come together and worship and serve together. But it may not stay that way. And so we need to go back to the example. Remember, we build our faith through the Word of God. We get the right picture of who we are by listening to what the Word of God says and teaching us and showing us what a beautiful example of who we are capable of becoming. Remember what Jesus said concerned about the church in 70 AD when the crush of Rome would come upon Jerusalem? He said, the love of many will grow cold. You know what? This church defies that. That church... Not being disobedient to Jesus, but disobedient to the fleshly, fleshly mindset of hunker in your bunker, cower in your shower. They're out loving more, believing more, having greater faith. That's our gold standard. Now, how did that happen? By the example of the preacher. Paul came from being totally brutalized in Philippi and with excitement and zeal given to him by God through the Holy Spirit. He had the courage, he says, to preach to them also who were in Thessalonica. Wow. It takes a man of God who will love people enough to preach to them the word of God even though he has got a missile lock on him by the devil. Would you agree that the devil had missile lock on the Apostle Paul and he was consistently trying to shut Paul down, keep him away from the church of Thessalonica, and he went in and he established the church? We're looking now at point number three of our lesson in regards to the church of Thessalonica. So instead of talking about this thing called a, a church conceived in affliction and suffering, Instead of talking about a church of zealous love during suffering, we're to talk about Paul, the preacher's zeal, zealous love during persecution. And so I've given you a new lesson plan, so you have more room to write. And so I'd like you, if you would take the time, to jot some of the things down that you and I are called to be as those who would share the gospel with other people. So let's read. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. Listen to Paul's love for these people. You yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain, but after we had already suffered and, and had been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity, or by way of deceit. And just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory uh, from men, either from you or from others. Even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. 
having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you became very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly, uprightly, blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Why? So that you would walk in a manner of the worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also consistently thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of Christ in, in Christ Jesus, churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who were both killed, the Lord Jesus, and the prophets, and drove them out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they might not be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Now listen to his closing comments. Man, if this doesn't get you excited about why we would preach and teach and live the life, if you don't listen and follow through, it's all vain, as was said by our brother. I think it was you, Jeff, that said you can give your body to be burned. You can give everything that you got. But if the love of God is not in you for people, it's worthless. Notice what the love Paul has for these people is to result in. Verse 17 and following. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while, in person but not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we, want to, we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope, our joy, our crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. The devil is going to distract every one of you this morning. He's going to try. You know why he's going to try? It's because if we don't have a heart of love for people to win them, he gets to keep them forever and eternity. Do you think the devil tried to distract the Apostle Paul? To deceive, to misguide, to abuse the Apostle Paul so he would not be focused? Brethren, it says all of us are called to be able to teach the elementary teachings. But no one's going to listen to us if we don't live the life of Christ. We'll be like all the other folks that go to church. What are they called? Hypocrites. We're called to live the blameless, holy life of Christ. And I pray that you would see that this morning in the Apostle Paul. So let's take a look at point number one. Point number one, a beautiful, beautiful point here in regards to the work that the Apostle Paul did. Zealous, zealous for love during persecution. The first point 
is zealous love and affection. Zealous love and affection. It's rather interesting as we take a look at this, this point here. Zealous love and affection. It's what they felt from the Apostle Paul. By the way, the second point there, notice the second point that you see there. The second point has to do with what? It has to do with zealous love. But notice, it's zealous love and provision found there in verse 9. Knowing that Paul loves us by his work. And then finally look at the next point, point number 3. Zealous fatherly love. You know what? The father should be the absolute pillar that everyone can trust in. The wife and the kids, amen? Yeah. He was the pillar for that new established family. And that was his love manifest through his fatherly governance overseeing. And then finally, the beauty of it, he says, Paul says, you are our hope, joy, and crown. You know what? My sons cannot understand the great, the joy that I get from them, the great hope that I have for the future in them and the crown that they are and will be as they remain faithful and grow. As fathers and mothers, you know the great joy of when your children excel. These children of his are excelling still more and more in faith, hope, and love. And I love that. But he invested himself in love first. So this first point, point number one, zealous love. Take a look there. This A few verses there. Verse 7 and 8. What does he say there? Listen to the words of of love but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children having so fond an affection for you we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of god but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us you know that word gentle is amazing it's not like the gentle we defined a couple weeks ago it during adult bible class this word gentle, in fact, some of us are naturally gentle. Some of us, unfortunately, like myself, have had to learn to become gentle. That word gentle there means to be affable, mild in word and manner. The word affable means easy to converse with, approachable, inviting. My son Ryan, as many of you know, the first time somebody meets them, he is affable. Now you're saying, well, Ryan, it's Rambo Ryan, he's not He's not gentle. He's affable, though, which means that how many of you, when you first met Ryan, the thing that rocked your, your world was his smile? Raise your hand. And then his gentle way of conversing with you. Hey, man, this is the guy I've known forever that I just met. That is what affable is actually talking about. And I praise God that my son was gifted with that. And I look at him in awe sometimes going, how does he do that? And yet that's a beautiful thing. It means here, easy of conversation, approachable, and inviting. But look at the next thing it says. Paul was that way with them. Paul gets a bad rap so often. He was affable. But notice also, too, it says here in verse 7 that uh, as a nursing mother tenderly cares, tenderly cares. That word tenderly caring, cherisheth in King James, is the, is the Greek word that means this. It means to warm to heat or soften 
by the heat of tender love and tender care. Now, you know, when, when children are, are, are being nursed by their mama, that heat there and the face-to-face -face contact, there's just this bond and this connection. And so when you really love someone genuinely as a man or a woman who desires their soul to be one, when you love people genuinely, they know it. When it's a job, it's just a job. I got to go out and get five more people. Otherwise, they're going to fire me at the church. That's, that's messed up. Or I got to get three more notches in my Bible before I feel successful. That's messed up. It's when you genuinely care about someone and their person, they feel it and they know it. And there's a warmth that grows there. That's who we need to be. Genuine. Genuinely loving people. And notice the hot man that you were talking about. Remember Jesus said, I would either be the, you at hot or cold, but not lukewarm. We need to be hot and we need to be these people who have a fond affection. It will develop the heat of love between two people. Well, look at the next one. Impart our lives, literally in the, in the King James, it's souls. This blew me away. Are you ready for this? To give or share oneself openly with another, to develop and grow close together. To spend ourselves and spend out our lives for them. Literally mean to be open, vulnerable, and sacrificial. TJ was that when he stood up to preach. He was open. He was vulnerable. He was sacrificial. And he called us to trust God more than anyone or anything. That message is still ringing in my ears. And I pray that everyone that didn't have an opportunity to go will listen to that when it's up on the website. And listen. That man was, I mean, he was quivering. He was so nervous and yet he, he, he can't even tell because he had this message that was burning in his heart. And it was powerful. That's what Paul was like. I want so desperately for you to know that I am vulnerable like you, striving to grow like you, and we all need to trust in God. That's, that's what Paul was, and that's what we saw in our brother um, TJ. I, I like this next one here in regards to this nursing mother having a fond affection, and it says that we imparted to you not only our, the gospel but also our lives. He says, because... You became very dear to us. That word is a derivative of agape, God's love. It's agape, lo, agape lotus. It means to be dear, to be loved, to love in a moral and social sense. Get a load of this. As a mother or father would love their children. To have affection for in dearest measure. Now if you're a parent, you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just love seeing your kids. How many of you when, you, when you had little kids and they did something that was they shouldn't have been doing, but it was really kind of funny? You had to put on the mom or dad face. Okay, get to your room until dad gets in there. And then you go in there and you go, <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody here? Come on, some of you aren't raising your hands. I know you're not being honest. Okay? And then you're going to go, Lord, help me to be a good disciplinarian. But that is really funny. They're so cute. All right? But it really isn't cute when they get bigger and they do that. 
So you get your composure and you go in and you do the God-given responsibility. You make sure they understand. Man, I'm telling you what, dear beloved, that's who Paul saw these people as. Now, brethren, we can do that. We can do that. But you know, there's got to be more proof. There's got to be more substance than just the feeling. Look at the second point. The second point is zealous love and provision. Knowing the love. Take a look here. Verse 9 shows that, that Paul is trustworthy. Look at verse 9. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Labor. That's actually talking about going out and making the money so that other people don't have to pony up the money for the guy to preach. So that guy's preaching every spare moment that he's not working. Did you know Paul pretty much worked 24-7? How many preachers work 24-7 on call whenever? I don't know of any. Paul, Jesus. I want to be like Jesus when I grow up. Be careful what you say. You know what I'm saying? Paul was that man. He worked to bring home the bacon so the, the church didn't have to help him bring home the bacon. But you know what? He was working. For three weeks, he was hitting the Jewish population. And after that, they started pounding on him. So it says that there was a great multitude of Gentiles. Gentiles don't hang out in the synagogues, folks. He went to the Gentile population. He was there long enough to establish a love relationship with them that was unforgettable by them. Unforgettable. And they marched forward just like their spiritual father, Paul, in loving them. Wow. But notice he proved it. Why? Working hard night and day so he wouldn't be a burden. And he continued to pray, proclaim the gospel as well. I remember many, many years ago when I was teaching at Willamette High School, the men kept bugging me to take money, and I said, no, as long as I am working at Willamette High School and I'm getting paid a living wage, I won't do that. But I remember I got a call about 11.30 at night to go visit uh, the family of one of my students, and that happened more than once. And it was the principal of Willamette High School that called me and said, Angie, is in the hospital and they don't know if she's going to make it. Can you go? Brother, you need to realize that the guy who really loves is the guy that's going to be there 24-7. Dads, are you there for 24-7? Are you ever present 24-7, dads? Yes or no? Husbands, are you there 24-7? Yes or no? Well, I'm glad you said yes. If you said no, I was going to have to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> of course you are. That's what Paul was. So they knew, knowing the love. They felt the love, all right, but now they know the love. But the next one is, can you trust it? Can you really trust the love? That's the third point. Take a look. Verses 10 and 11. You can trust the love of a man or woman of God who is trying to help you come to a right knowledge of Jesus. You are witness, and so is God, how devoutly, uprightly, blamelessly we behave toward you believers just as you know how we were encouraging exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children why 
so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God's calling. I honestly don't have time to go through those five things. But brethren, you want to be faithful to the Lord? Do you want to be faithful? If someone comes into your realm of influence and you're the only one that will ever see them ever, who's a person, a son or daughter of light, how many of you know that you've probably met people that you were the only one they've ever met that was a true Christian? And they're not going to hear it from those who are not true Christians. Churchgoers don't cut it. Real Christians do. And real Christians should have the love that Paul is communicating here. Say, well, I'm not called to be an evangelist. You are called to know the elementary teachings and be able to give a defense of the hope that is within you. Amen? Every one of us. So there's people in your lives right now who are desperately wanting to know how to get out of the mess they're in. And you're the one. You're the one. I'm the one. You need to be listening. As a father is concerned for his sons and daughters, you need to be listening all the time because the devil wants to take our kids out, but he also wants to take everybody else out who's not in Christ. You are the one. So you can make them feel the love of Christ and they can know that it's real, but can they trust you enough? Can they trust you enough? Paul goes the extra mile. And he goes, you know what? The father is to be the patriarch. The father is to be the standard. The father is to be the pillar. The father is the one that the kids and the wife can hold on to when things start shaking out. By the way, when things start shaking out, who needs to have a love that people can trust? Who needs to have a love that people can know it's real? Who needs to have a love that people can actually feel it? Who? Us! Us! We're the ones! The sons and daughters of light, we're the ones! This message is for us, not for preachers in Bible college. It's for us, the family of God, those who are called to pierce the darkness. So we need to be men and women who are living our lives uprightly, blamelessly. And we need to exhort, and we need to encourage, and we need to implore. I was doing the digging on that. Like I said, we'd be here for another hour if we went through each one of those. We don't have that time. Saying, preach another sermon. No, we need to get this one done. Let's get this one. Land the plane, preacher. It's been three days we've been circling here. Three Sundays. Let's get her done. Okay? But I do want to close with this. I'm going to give you a new perspective on verse 18. Verse 8. I'm sorry, verse uh, 19. Paul says, I so desperately want to come see you and be face to face. Satan has kept us from that. Verse 19. For who is our hope, our joy, our crown of exaltation? You are, he says, you are when you are come into the presence of the Lord Jesus that is coming. How many remember me saying this from the pulpit a couple few weeks ago? I will not consider myself a successful man until I stand in heaven and I see my wife and my three sons with the sheep waiting to receive their prize. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You're saying that's not fair. They have free will. Absolutely. Ryan has free will. 
Jacob has free will. Andrew has free will. My wife has free will. They do, absolutely. They can choose whatever they want. I pray that they want Jesus. I pray that they want life eternal. I pray that they want to have a great family built upon the principles of Christ. I pray that they desire a woman who loves God more than anyone or anything. That's what I pray for. And I pray that they'll step into heaven and they'll hear Jesus, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you know what? I am guessing that I'll have more joy when I hear Jesus say that about my family than for myself. I don't know that. You know what Paul says? He says, Christians in Thessalonica, I'm so proud of you. You, speaking of them, you are my what? You are my hope. Listen for just a minute. Hope is a confident expectation of something good is going to happen to us in the future. Amen? Isn't that what it means? I have a confident expectation that Jesus is able to work in the hearts and minds of my family, my sons and my, my wife, and my brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who are not yet Christians, that they will stand with me in glory and hear, well done now, good and faithful servant. I'm investing in my future. Because I confidently expect there will be a great return on that investment. Have you ever noticed investments in this life have a tendency to rot, to turn to rust, they get stolen by people? But not your family in heaven. That cannot be taken away from you. Do you get it? That hope. It's about investing yourself like Paul was giving it all up for people that he would see them in heaven and watch them. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He couldn't wait for that day. How about you? I'm living for that day. I'm praying for that day. Not only for me, but for those who are been given to me. That's why if you look back on section number one, your name is here. I'm praying for you. Gabe, I'm praying for you. You're in section one, right here. In my, yeah, I am. Yes, you are. Why? I'm praying because I want to see you in heaven. Are we that way? You're saying, well, that's amazing, Bill. No, it's not. Jesus did that. I want to be like Jesus when I grow up, right? So it's important for us to recognize that it's not just the hope, but it's the joy. You know what the joy is? The excitement and the thrilling expectation, seeing it before it comes to be. Did Jesus see you becoming a Christian before you were even born? Did Jesus see you in heaven because of his sacrifice on the cross? What's the answer? Yes, for the joy set before me endured the cross. That's the joy. I can't wait. I will. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And then the final one, if we can get this mind, the coming of Jesus and taking us to heaven, the great and awesome army of God, warriors, Right? I'm a warrior. All the warriors walking in and receiving their crowns. And you know what our crowns are all about? Because we've lived in a life worthy of being the royal sons and daughters of God. Because the more fruit we bring in, the greater service we render, the greater honor we'll receive. Some of you may not believe that. Turn to Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. 
and then tell me you don't believe that. It's right there. Those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars in the heaven. There are people in your lives, brethren, that need to feel the love of God. There's people in your lives, brethren, that need to know the love of God because you're loving them that way. And finally, there are people in your lives, brethren, that need to trust that the love that you're manifesting is the love that's eternal and they can bank on it. We have such a great work ahead of us and the devil's going to oppose us at every step. But my Bible says, and you have the same Bible, my Bible says is that when we walk faithfully, we crush the head of the devil in this life right now. I don't know about you, but I love that verse. I love stomping on my foot. It always kind of wakes people up. <laughs> now we can finish. May we be those people, but it's going to take work on each one of our parts. Please study the word faithfully each day. Please call out to God each day asking for his help because it's only through him that we can get this done, honestly. And then finally, trust, trust, trust that he is able. Let's pray. Father, the gold standard for the persevering church, as I've searched the different churches, Thessalonica is the one that comes to the top. We can see in so many different ways that this church excelled still more and more in times that were just overwhelmingly difficult with great joy and excitement and, and, and with a desire to preach and to teach and, and to share the hope that no one else had. It's possible for us. I pray that we would remember it's possible for us to be that church, to be those people. As a man or woman thinks within themselves, so they are. Help us to get the right understanding of who we are as sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters of Christ, children of light, piercing the darkness. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand together. Let's get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said, go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go do it. Let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.